0: Shoot, my arm's not long enough. <laughs> let me ask you a question. All right. Have we started? Have I officially started? You don't don't count that bit before. Before, okay? <laughs> uh, do you have an image consultant? Image consultant? Well, let me tell you, you do. I was watching this program on the TV, and uh, these multi-millionaire sportsmen, sportswomen. They started off kind of working class, and now they're millionaires. They don't know how to spend their money. Would you like to tell millionaires how to spend their money? I mean, I would. So they have to consult an image consultant. And he's like a cross between a tailor and a fashion expert or something, and he's telling them, yeah, uh, you need these $4,000 shoes. Crocodile shoes, alligator shoes. Yeah, yeah, wear this shirt, it's the latest thing. And these guys, these basketball players and NFL players are like, oh, I'll take three, you know, because you can't buy one, right? You have to buy three pairs of crocodile shoes. And so I was looking at that, and I was thinking, image consultant. Have I relaxed yet? <laughs> She's my nervous barometer. <laughs> she, she, she'll let me know when I've relaxed. <laughs> so we, I was like, oh, they have an image consultant. Telling them how to dress, what to wear, what alligator shoes to buy. You know? and I felt the Spirit of God say to me, you have an image, consultant. His name is Jesus, right? The Bible says back in Genesis that God said, I'm going to make mankind, womankind, personkind. Oh, dear I me, mean, now I've started something. Uh, you have to be really clever these days. and I'm going to make them in my image. And the enemy decided, you know what? The enemy of our soul, Satan, said, I'm going to mess up that image. I'm going to destroy that image in them. He hates the fact that we're designed to reflect God's glory, right? We're designed to carry his image. And so Jesus came into our lives to restore the image that was stolen. These guys were like, uh, man, I love my $4,000 my $4, alligator shoes. And his, and his buddy was saying, that ain't nothing. That ain't nothing. I got a $25,000 Rolex. And they were just going on at it like this, you know. What are you delighting in this morning? The scripture that we're going to be looking at and, and a few other scriptures. This is Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, 700 years before the, the advent of Christ, uh, uh, in the incarnation, his arrival in human history to to romances and winners back, and pursuers and winners back. Okay, 700 years before that, Isaiah says, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. For he has clothed me in a garment of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. And I'm going to be asking you a question over and over again today. How are you dressed? Okay, how are you dressed this morning? Are you properly dressed or improperly dressed? Because this is what Isaiah says to us. And he says, like a, a bride and a bridegroom who adorn themselves in fine jewelry in preparation for their ceremony. Who or what are you delighting in today? It's, it's important that we can answer that question because how we are, who we are delighting in determines how we are dressed and how we are dressed, I want, I want, let me tell you this story, I was in the army years ago, a lifetime ago I was in the army, 40 years, you, that's where you say, you must have joined the army when you were three, something like that, yeah, thank you, yeah. I was in the army about 40 years ago, not one person on this front row was even alive. <laughs> okay, slightly different on this side, <laughs> and uh, I was a really smart soldier, and uh, I used to try and win this thing called the Stickman. Uh, so when seven soldiers went on duty to guard the camp, only six of them were needed. The seventh, the seventh one was the Stickman. He was called the Stickman because he was relieved of that duty because he was the smartest of the seven, right? And so everybody, nobody wanted to do a 24-hour duty. No, <laughs> nobody wanted to do that duty. So they all tried really hard to get the stick man, and it was a, a long ceremonial stick that you carried for 24 hours, which means, meant you couldn't be called for any other duty. And so I had it twice, nobody had ever won it three consecutive times, and I really wanted to win it three consecutive times, because I'm competitive. So we're lined up, and there's seven soldiers, and I'm one of them. The officer, the captain's walking up and down, mm, very smart, yes, Oh, look at those boots, Oh, yes. Good haircut, yes. You know, and he gets to the guy next to me. I'm thinking, come on, I've got to get this three times, three times. And I hear him say these unforgettable words. You, soldier, are improperly dressed. I was like, The man next to me, in our smart uniforms, had neglected to put on his lanyard. That's a very old word, but it's basically like a shoestring that went around here and then went into your pocket. And whatever you tied on the end of it, like your jackknife. You wouldn't lose it in battle. So even if it came out of your pocket, it would be hanging from your lanyard. This guy next to me had forgotten his lanyard. And so the captain told him, you soldier are improperly dressed. And then did the magic thing that they do. Hold on. And tapped me on the shoulder. (laughs) Three out of three, so I got the stick. And I remember thinking, wow, because the guy next to me was really smart. If he hadn't have been improperly dressed, I might not have won there. I want to ask you a question today, are you properly or improperly dressed? <laughs> this might be an unusual thing to say in the 21st century, where social mores and social etiquette, and social decorum, require, used to require us to dress in a certain way for certain places, right? I mean, I'm a casual guy, I looked into my wardrobe yesterday, I actually have suits. I do. I have three suits. <laughs> I have some really nice slacks, trousers, or as you would say, pat-ants, right? <laughs> I, have some, I have some really nice pat-ants, okay, hanging in. And I'm like, oh my gosh, where's my casual stuff? And I pull, I pull out what I always pull out, right? The, the, this clothing that you're comfortable with. But there was a time when people had to wear certain stuff to certain places. Like if you're going to a wedding or something, right? and you're working in your yard all through the day, and you've got your wedding at 3 o'clock, you don't stop working in your yard at 2.30 and jump in your car and go to the wedding. Right? It's not going to work, right? So you get my point already. You shower and put on your suit. Uh, what, about a, what about a funeral? You know, I saw some photographs on Facebook the other day of a funeral, and I was praying for the family. People are kind of casual at funerals these days. I, I would think, and I don't know if it's an age thing or a generational thing, but... Whatever happened to, you know, dressing up for a funeral? Whatever happened to uh, Sunday, um, what do you call it over? Sunday go to church clothing? Yeah, we used to call it Sunday best. Back in the UK, Sunday best. I've heard the other saying, uh, Sunday go to church clothes. What? What is it? It's not a thing, did I dream it? Sunday best, that's from the UK, darling. All right. So it's... Uh, <laughs> Do you want to get up? (laughs) Did I get up there? Did you want to get up here? (laughs) All right, so whatever happened to Sunday Best? I'm I'm being casual, of course. So I want to show you that actually you can be spiritually dressed. It's not just a natural thing. Last night, Miss Fiona laid out all of her clothing. She said, I'm getting my clothes ready for tomorrow. Okay, that's a natural thing. But I'm going to present to you the proposition, a biblical truth, We can be spiritually dressed in garments, right? And Isaiah, as Isaiah showed us there, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. For he has clothed me in a garment of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. Doesn't that sound like an image consultant that you can trust? Yeah? Let me ask you something. Jesus might not put $4,000 alligator shoes on your feet. But he will clothe you in a garment of salvation, and he will array you in a robe of righteousness. That's the choice that we have. Russ, are my ears the wrong shape? Probably. (laughs) All right, let's look at, uh, I remember in the 70s when I used to go to nightclubs. I know, I had a previous life. Again, nobody on this row was born in the 70s. You'd, you'd, you know, you'd walk up to the nightclub door and you'd have a big bouncer, kind of security guy, no sneakers, no jeans. And that's all he said all night, no sneakers, no jeans. I mean, he <laughs> got paid for that. You know, I thought, I could do that job, no sneakers, no jeans. You can't get into certain places dressed in a certain way, and I want to show you that that's a spiritual truth as well, that to get into certain places in, in the spiritual environment, you have to be dressed in a certain way. See, I'm not just trying to be cute and funny. I want to make you laugh and then punch you while you're laughing. <laughs> All right, and that's where we're headed. Let's look at five ways that the Scriptures tells us how, what it means to be properly dressed in the kingdom of God. I'll put it to you. Some of us left the house this morning properly dressed. Now, slip away from the natural thing. I can clearly see that some of you didn't put a lot of thought into how we dressed when we left the house this morning. I don't. I left my suits hanging on a hanger. But some of us may have left the house not spiritually dressed, not spiritually prepared. Okay, number one then. Let's look at garments of praise. We're looking at five ways the Scriptures tell us to be properly dressed. Okay, First one is garments of praise. The Scripture says this, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor, This is for all of us, by the way. Jesus said this in Luke 4, 700 years after this was said by Isaiah. This is a prophecy, a a messianic prophecy about the Lord Jesus Christ, that one day he would stand up in a synagogue and proclaim to all. By the way, you get to say this about yourself, and when you say this, you get clothed in a certain way. You get to say this, right? The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord is a anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Bring it up, Bert. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. I know it's there somewhere. To console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And the amazing thing is there that Isaiah was saying, 700 years before Jesus arrived, this is his ministry. And here we are 2,000 years later, and we get to say the same thing about us. You know that, right? Did that sneak upon you? Or do you know already that you can proclaim these words over yourself? This is the anointing that's upon you. You, get, you have the option of putting on a garment of praise before you leave the house in the morning. And here's the thing that I think what surprised me when I I began this study was that the Lord clothes us in salvation and the Lord puts a robe of righteousness on us. All this other clothing that we're looking at, we get to dress ourselves, right? You get to put a garment of praise on yourself. You make a determination. We we were at a... (laughs) Fiona told me not to tell this story. You know what that meant, right? We were at a church a couple of years ago. Beautiful young girl. She led the worship for her daddy, who was the pastor of the church. And she wore, she wore a miniskirt. Now, don't misunderstand understand what I'm saying, right? Um, I know these are dangerous times where you can't even speak common sense. You know what yes. I'm saying? Okay, but she wore a miniskirt. She was the sweetest girl, pastor's daughter. And she'd get up on the stage, and she'd say, And we're here to glorify Jesus, and we're here to praise the Lord. And she was a sweet girl, and she did a great job. <laughs> but all the men in the church were like, I bind up those demons in the name of Jesus. You know, they're all, none of them could look up at the platform because this beautiful girl had a miniskirt on, who, by the way, every time she said, praise the Lord, her miniskirt became a mini-miniskirt. So the men in the church were like, you know, oh, Lord, Jesus, help And I'm looking over at the pastor. I keep looking over at the pastor and I'm imploring him. And, of course, you don't see his daughter that way. No daddy sees his daughter that way. No daddy knows his I mean. Right? Right. And so, but all the other men in the church weren't her daddy. Right. And so, I want to ask you a question. Was she dressed appropriately or inappropriately? And I say it really cautiously, because in these, this day and age, common sense will get you slaughtered. <laughs> well, have you seen what's been going on at the Olympics? You know, or the arguments about how people want to dress. For the first time in Olympian history, the contestants are telling the organizers how they want to dress. I think it's a 21st century thing. I really do. We want to dress this way. Okay, have you put on a garment of praise? Sometimes that's not an easy thing, but it is a determination that you make. Your determination to praise the Lord. David was uh, King David, the psalmist. He wanted to buy some land, and not not land he was going to put a Temple. Solomon's Temple. And he went to see the man who owned the land, Aruna, And he said, I, I want to buy this land because I'm going to build a temple for my God on this land. And the man esteemed the king. And he said, no, king, let me give it to you for nothing. And David said, oh, no, 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 no. And in one of those famous words, I will not bring to the Lord that which costs me nothing. Okay? And I surrendered to you for your consideration that sometimes we want to bring praise to God that hasn't cost us anything. I mean, how difficult is that? Yay, I'm on a mountaintop and everything's great in my life. Or, whoa, I'm down in the valley and can't make sense of what's going on. I suggest to you that actually putting on the garment of praise relates to who God is and what he deserves. Right? It's it's a choice we make. It's a choice we make to put on a garment like we do in the mornings when we look in our wardrobe and think, oh, they're my favorite shoes. Well, that's my favorite blouse. What we're meant to be saying is, let me put on a garment of praise. Right? Praise, is, praise is a weapon. I wonder if we appreciate how, how, how strongly how, how, how praise is a weapon. There was a king in the Old Testament, Jehoshaphat, you all know this story. He, Israel is surrounded on every side by wicked enemies that want to crush Israel. And so the king, the prophet says to the king, you need to seek God about this. And, and, and God says to Jehoshaphat, the most unusual thing, right? Appoint singers to sing. And you might say, well, just a minute, I'm trying to get strategy from Father God on how to defeat my enemies. And God's saying, appoint singers to sing. Well, Jehoshaphat was obedient, and he appointed singers to sing. And when those singers started to sing in the battle, guess what happened? All of the enemies that surrounded Jehoshaphat and the people of God turned inwards on themselves. Let me tell you something. If there's something the enemy doesn't understand, it's why you choose to put on the garment of praise when it hurts. There isn't anything more powerful than you determining to put on the garment of praise when it hurts. And know this, it causes your enemy derision. You know why? Because Satan, you know, from what I remember, Satan used to be in the business of worship. Amen? Wasn't he cast down from heaven? Wasn't he Lucifer? Wasn't he like the lead singer in the band? Yeah? So he knows something about worship. But what he doesn't know is why the people of God choose to praise when it hurts. And it turns his camp inwards on themselves. It creates derision. It creates pleasure for you and derision for him. Remember that, that next time you're in the valley and oh, I don't understand and I never knew it would work out this way and I never knew it would be like this and why don't people like me and why do they look at me that way? And, you know, put on the garment of praise take off the spirit of ah, take off the spirit of heaviness. <laughs> sorry you guys you're done okay <laughs> take off the spirit of heaviness. it's a determination yes the lord clothes us in a garment of salvation yes he raises us in a robe of righteousness but guess what we put on the garment of praise ourselves all righty let's uh, <laughs> The Apostle Paul said to the church at Ephesus, look at this, Gordon. we should use that scripture, shouldn't we, Russ? Ephesians 5:18. Do not be drunk with wine, how about that, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. A different kind of Spirit, right? Not, the, not that Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. But on your garment of praise, sometimes you do it for somebody else, right? Sometimes your song is the redemptive element that somebody else is waiting for. Your song, whilst you sleep, he sings over you. Why don't you sing over somebody? I was praying for somebody years ago and the Lord said, sing such and such a song for them. And I was like, Lord, I don't think that will bring redemption. I mean, I think that will bring something else. But I did it anyway. And the person told me afterwards, you need to know something. That was my daddy's best favorite song. Your Heavenly Father Knows. Right? Your Heavenly Father Knows. Garment of praise. What about putting on yourself the armor of God? And this is really important. I can't tell you how many people, children of God, Christ followers, are improperly dressed. You know that we're in we're in a warfare, right? What does he say? Look, put on yourself the armor of God. Here's the scripture. Is it Ephesians 6, Russ? I think Russ has been slain in the spirit. Come on, bro. (laughs) Finally, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Come on, bro. Put on. Now, does it say, sit there and God will dress you? Does it say, sit there and I will clothe you? Right? Can you imagine my girlies coming in now, the 22 and 24, and saying, Dad, will you dress us, please? Or going to their mother, more likely. Mummy, will you dress us, please? Have you any idea how many people in the kingdom of God expect God to dress them in the mornings? Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. He's a trickery serpent, and he's learned some tricks through the millennia. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. It's amazing how many people want to fight their battles in the flesh and blood, Right? What's that music? Stick them <laughs> up. Anybody old enough to remember that movie? Was it The Lion? I'm trying to remember. Was it The Tin Man? It's a lion. Kimberly knows every line of every movie she's ever watched in her life. It is scary, freaky. Every movie she's ever seen. We don't fight like for like. Do you know why we lose so many of our battles that are spiritual battles? is because we insist on stick up. We insist on fighting like for like. You've insulted me. Guess what? I'm going to insult you. Is that spiritual warfare? Because we're fighting against principalities and against powers that are manifesting themselves through a person, a situation, an organization, through their flesh, through their flesh. So we don't want to retaliate. I'm trying so hard. I know it sounds corny, but... My new thing is don't beat my horn, okay? When I'm driving around in my car, man, you see some stuff. You see like 10-year-old kids driving around in cars. They look like they're 10 or something, you know, and they're trying to put you in a ditch. (laughs) Literally, somebody tried to put me in the ditch the other day, and my hand went up, and I went, no! And I grabbed my hand like that, and I literally did that, Maddie. no, don't do it. (laughs) Stop retaliating and fighting like for like. alrighty. If there's an irritation, there's a spiritual cause. If there's an offense, there's a spiritual cause. If somebody resents you, there's a spiritual origin. Wrestle with the demons. Don't wrestle with their flesh. They might, win. They might beat you. Woo! I can't tell you how many battles I've lost because I wrestled flesh with flesh. Right? You know what I mean by flesh? The natural man. Or even worse, the carnal man. And I'm like, you walk away limping and wounded? What happened? Well, you just battled in the flesh. Oh, dear. You know, this is a hard lesson, folks. Because our natural instinct is to want to fight light like for light, like, type for type, against the rulers and the darkness of this age. Paul's telling us, look, that our fight and our battle and our war is a spiritual one. So guess what? You need to be clothed in a spiritual way. See what I mean about being properly dressed or improperly dressed? It wasn't just a corny story from the 70s. Okay. Against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places, therefore, here's the solution, take up the whole armor of God. How are you meant to clothe yourself in the morning when you're sorting out your Gucci's and your Versace's? I know, that's how old I am, right? I mean, but when I was a kid, Gucci and Versace, you know. So... When you're sorting out your favorite shoes, you might want... Is it still the same? Is he still yeah. around? He'll be on a Zimmer frame. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Buy my Gucci's. <laughs> and, the, and, yeah, and the weird thing is, we'll pay $300 for a pizza. of right? Because it's got a little name on it. Think about that. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you are able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Man, I wish I'd used my shield of faith more, you know. I'm much more likely to slap somebody. <laughs> Seriously. That's not a good thing. Okay, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Okay, you see this? And take up the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. See, what Paul is trying to communicate to us, and he does it really powerfully, actually. Remember, he was in Ephesus. He's walking around the streets with Roman centurions walking around him who ruled their day. And he's like, whoa, just a minute. I can dress like that in the spiritual realm. Right? This is what the apostle was doing when he sees the centurions. We're in, we're in a war, folks. right? You, I mean, you, Are you engaging in the war? I thought for a while there, I went through a, a period, Rick, where I thought if I kept my head low and minded my own business, the devil would leave me alone. No, no, no. He targets you. He targets you. When you're hiding and want to be low-profile, And I've checked out of this. I'm in a timeout. The devil goes around looking for folks like that. But what he doesn't want is to engage you when you're clothed in the armor of God. Right? When you're clothed in the armor of God, you're indicating already that you know you're in a war. Right? I wish Christians would realize they're in a war. I wish I had different ears, to be honest. (laughs) Um. Look, the Lord wants us to demolish strongholds. Now we want that next scripture, don't we, buddy? 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5. Look at this, what we're engaged in, how we're clothed for this fashion. Look at this. But if, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not walk according to the flesh. We agree with that, right? We're all nodding our heads. Well, then, when, when you go out of this place, don't bicker with your spouse on the way down the interstate. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. We are clothed in the armor of God and equipped to demolish strongholds. Not natural strongholds. I spoke to Fiona's brother the other day, but I would pressed the wrong button on my phone. And he pops up and he's outside a castle in Wales. He says, hello, mate. I said, hello, mate. Uh, what do you call it, mate? Butt dial Yeah. So now I'm talking to him. He's outside a castle. We don't, we're not called to demolish natural strongholds. We're called to demolish spiritual strongholds. The issues that plague the lives, our own lives sometimes and the lives of people around us, we're not very effective when we seek to address them in our natural person. You may not have noticed that the enemy is not very impressed with you. Right? No, he really isn't. I think when I say, okay, come on in, enemy, I'll have a go at you, he goes, oh. But here's the thing, when you're clothed in the armor of God and you realize that you can demolish his strongholds through your faithfulness and your devotion with the Lord, now he's impressed. Satan is impressed with Jesus in you, right? Satan is impressed when you decide to clothe yourself with Jesus as your image consultant. That's when he's impressed. Oh, here's a man, here's a woman, and their image consultant is Jesus, right? Right? Demons tremble at the name of Jesus. They don't tremble at Dino's name. Come on, even my kids don't tremble at my name. Okay, but they tremble at the name of Jesus in me. The proclamation. We saw there the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, the belt of truth. You can't even go out of your house in the mornings and get 50 feet down the road before you better be saying to yourself, I hope I've got the armor of God on. Right? Right? You can see things that offend you. You're meant to be offended by the things that offend God, by the way. You know that, right? He's not always offended by the things that offend you, but you better be offended by the things that offend him. When Paul was in Ephesus, Acts 17, when Paul was in Ephesus, he said he walked around Ephesus athens he walked around I've still got ephesians in my head he walked around athens and what does it say of paul was he walked around athens he was grieved and offended in his spirit he was indignant in his spirit when he saw the idols on every corner there was an idol to every known god and even one to an unknown god just in case they missed him but you know what his response was we can walk around town have you tried to walk around charlotte and not be offended I got in my car the other day. I pulled in at the gas station. Another car pulls in at the side of me. Beep, bleep, bleep. I'm going to kill your mother-in-law. Bleep, bleep, bleep. You know, all this, that vile rap stuff, you know. Okay. <laughs> I really didn't mean to look at you then. I, that was, that was totally like Okay. But let me tell you, you can't travel far out of the house. You better be hoping you've got the armor of God on. That helmet of salvation that Paul talked about, to guard your thought life. Because there's a war going on for your mind. You may have noticed this. You're not going to go out there into a field and see men, you know, like a reenactment of the Civil War or something. That's not the war he's talking about. There's a war going on for your mind. All of the time. That's why he says, put on the helmet of salvation. That's why he says, put on the breastplate of righteousness to protect and guard your soul. There's so much corruption out there. Fiona's really upset right now when you drive, drive down that 77. What's that huge millboard? Say something about. What's that life, is short. life is short get a divorce you saw it you're meant to be offended by that as paul was as he walked around athens he was indignant and offended and grieved in his spirit when he saw so much idolatry don't think that idolatry is like a little figure you've made with your hands and we bow down to it we have a there are idols out there by the score there are idols out there in the invisible realm that invest themselves in material manifestations and you're meant to be offended by them. You're meant to be indignant by them because that's the way the spirit of God in the redeemed heart responses, responds to idolatry. I am offended by this because God is offended by it. If only we could learn to be offended by the things that offend God. Please, are you offended? <laughs> That's not in my notes. Right. Not that I have notes. I mean, I'm just making it up. <laughs> no, I said, we had a chat before. I said, Russ, how is it you guys don't type things in real time? I said, let's you and me relate with the Holy Ghost like a triangle. <laughs> like a holy triangle. Russ Dean, the Trinity. I said, and as I'm speaking, as you're moved in real time, type something. Would you say that's progress? Isn't that advancement for the ministry? Yeah. shut up Dean (laughs) get on with it (laughs) how are you clothed when you leave the house in the morning got your favorite shoes on and your favorite blouse but you haven't got the armor of God on you'll be crushed by the time you get to the end of the road don't even talk to me about the workplace I'm telling you now your workplace is a battleground right oh my gosh Hmm, what story should I tell you or shouldn't I tell you uh just needless to say i don't work in a christian environment and by the way i've worked in christian environments they can be a battleground as well (laughs) did somebody say worse (laughs) yeah (laughs) believe me i went to a place once which was a christian organization car sales room and i thought yay i'm in a christian environment I'm halfway through my days. I'm praying to the Lord and saying, Lord, why did you bring me here? (laughs) Because you wanted a Christian environment. I know, I don't know what I was saying. I really don't know what I was saying. There are some tests for you in a Christian environment that you might not even get in the secular workplace. Believe me, you'll soon find out how holy you are when you go to work in a Christian environment. Believe me. (laughs) All righty. Okay, so we've only done garments of praise and we've and we've done put on the armor of God. Just do that scripture, Russ. Fifty nine, seventeen, NLT. We'll just read it, and we won't enlarge on it, because oh yeah, all right. Isaiah said he put on righteousness, has his body armor, and placed the heart, helmet of salvation on his head. He clothed himself with a robe of vengeance, that can be translated indignation. Does that sound familiar? He clothed himself with a robe of indignation and wrapped himself in a cloak of divine passion. Zeal for God is what one version says. He he wrapped himself in a cloak of zeal for God. Are you putting this clothing on in the morning? Is Jesus your image consultant? Is he telling you how to dress for each day? How many of you know that Jesus knows what your day holds? Then shouldn't he be telling you how to dress? Before you leave the house, instead of you finding out halfway through the day, oh, I wish I'd have put on my helmet of salvation. I sound like Ricky jarvey don't I? <laughs> Do Ricky jarvey I wish I'd have put on my helmet of salvation because my thought life's killing me. Well, then put on the helmet of salvation before you leave the house. Take up the shield of faith, with which you can fire, uh, quench all the fiery darts of the evil one. He's got, it's like he's got a machine gun, isn't it? The enemy. Well, guess what? Just hold up your shield of faith. They all, but they bounces off. It bounces off all the time. I'm trusting in the Lord. I'm trusting in you, Lord. Your might, your strength, your power. And the enemy he backs off because he's like, just a minute. He's got a shield of faith, sword of the spirit, speaking truth to lies. Wow, the belt of truth. The belt of truth means we're equipped with truth. Our response to situations is truth. But you have a sword, and it's the only part of your armory which is for attacking. Right. Did you know you're in a war where you can attack? Don't... I like that. We're in a war... Come on, I'm just getting this as I go along, you know. I mean, (laughs) you're in a war where you can attack. Don't think the enemy gets to bully you. Miss Katina, I agree with you already that you're clothed in the armor of God and you've got the sword of of the spirit of truth. What did Jesus say when he was tempted for 40 days and 40 nights? What did he keep responding with? It is written so every time the enemy lied to him he said it is written uh if you're who you say you are turn these stones into bread it is written you see you counteract the lies in your environment with the truth that's in you the lord's going to help you to handle that sword miscatina he's going to show you how to pull out that sword and thrust with the truth of god into the situations that deny him resist him okay get clothed in the armor of god all day get clothed in the armor of god every morning and he's going to equip you to fight the battles that are going on around you He's going to equip you to demolish strongholds there are people in your life that you see them and the strongholds the lord's equipping you through intercession to see those strongholds demolished amen are we in agreement with that from miss katina amen so that's what the scripture says Um, our battle is not against flesh and blood, it's against spiritual forces of evil at work in heavenly realms. He's anointed us to demolish strongholds, to come against every argument and pretension that seeks to set itself up against the knowledge and the will of God. We see those fortresses demolished with the sword of the spirit, with the word of truth, the belt of truth, and then that only part of the armory that you get to, Prod with and stab with. Them. It is written. Will you take that away with you? Wherever you see error and lies today, it is written. We really should get on to number three, Russ. Taken where your yoke. Matthew 11, 28, 30. What time did I start, Russ? You're not sure. Does anybody know what time I should start? Has it been 40 minutes yet? Because I promised 40 minutes, but that might be unrealistic. But I, I'm good. Well, that's kind. Thank you. I don't see any rotten tomatoes being thrown at me yet. Oh, seriously, I was saying to Russ, when you haven't preached for a while, it's hard to, n- to scale the time when you're writing something on a piece of paper. It's hard to scale how much time that is. Okay, so take and wear your yoke. I particularly love this one. (laughs) Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, you know what? We might not know what a yoke is in our culture, but it's like a wooden bar that goes across your shoulders. And it helps you to carry like 10 times your body weight. There are parts of the world today where actually you'll still see them. I was watching a program the other night about Indian food, go figure. And they were in Bombay. And in Bombay, the men and the women still carry these yokes on their shoulders. And they're able to hang weights on so they can carry like 10 times their weight. And so when I saw this and I saw the Lord telling me, take up your yoke and put it on. Remember, we're talking about clothing and why we wear spiritual clothing. Well, guess what? A yoke is part of your spiritual clothing, all right? And I'm like, Lord, why would you say the yoke is easy? Because I'm seeing like, I'm seeing like a, an instrument or a tool that helps you to work harder and be more productive. And I'm saying, Lord, what is the deal with this yoke is easy? And then I felt this little nudge in my spirit. What did I do for a living? And I was like, that's an unusual question. What did I do for a living? And I was like, Oh, you were a carpenter. Jesus made yokes. And what the Lord said to me was, when I said, Lord, how can it be easy? How can putting a, an, an, a, an instrument of work on my shoulders to help me to carry 10 times my body weight? Remember, they put them on uh, animals as well. They're more commonly seen on oxen and big bull cows, things like that that need to pull a cart. I saw a program the other day where these bulls had cuts on their shoulders And the man was talking about how they had a very poorly fitting yoke. And it really spoke to me. You know why? Because there are times when we wear a poorly fitting yoke. We're wearing somebody else's yoke. We're wearing a yoke that wasn't designed for us. When Jesus says to us, and I said, Lord, and I heard him, he said, my yokes are made to measure. That's why it's easy to wear the Lord's yoke. (laughs) Because he makes, it, he makes them to measure for you. They're made to measure for your shoulders. You don't get no chafing. You don't get no cutting. Right? You don't get no bruising. Because Jesus is a master craftsman of your soul. And he knows exactly what yoke you need on your shoulders. It's made to measure. It curves and it fits. And it's awesome. And, I, and I've been thinking, you know, Lord, I've looked at my life in the past when I've been wearing somebody else's yoke. I've been carrying a yoke that was put on me by somebody else who said, this is a good fit for you. And I'm like, but it's chafing and it's hurting. (laughs) Sorry, I did my Rick Gervais thing there again. In the name of Jesus, the spirit of Rick Gervais. Get out of there. Right? Yeah, amen. And so what we have to ask ourselves, when we have a ministry and a calling from the Lord, Todd, when we have a ministry and a calling from the Lord, it's an easy fit. And you're ministering from a place of rest. Right? That's what Jesus said. Come to me and I'll give you rest for your soul. And the ministry that I put on you and within you, it's a delight. Ooh. Really? <laughs> Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. <laughs> okay. Who was it? <laughs> it's a delight when you're wearing the Lord's yoke that he has made to measure for you. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. <laughs> That's awesome. Do you know you're stealing the show, Russ, don't you? I mean, come on now. I didn't realize you'd be so good at this. <laughs> it's not in my notes, Matt. It's, it's Russ Messler. I am a carpenter. Wear my yoke. Jesus has a made-to-measure yoke for you. You can delight in it. If you're struggling and stressed and tense and don't like what you're doing, it's probably you're wearing somebody else's yoke right? He's not like that. He's a master carpenter. He's a master craftsman of your soul and he knows perfectly how to design a yoke that fits you perfectly. And we're worried about, well, I don't want to wear their yoke. We see people, other Christians, and we're like, if that's wearing a yoke, I don't want to wear their yoke, right? The way we behave, the way we relate, the way we react. People look at us and say, I'm not taking up a yoke. That's not helpful, is it? If you're wearing a yoke that don't fit you and it's chafing you, you're not going to be the greatest witness to other folks who haven't taken up a yoke yet, right? The Lord's ministry, the Lord's calling. Get a yoke that's made to measure for you, folks. Amen? All right, let's, let's move on then to number four. Okay. Started at 10, didn't we? That's only an hour and nine minutes then. Pastor Gil finishes at about like an hour 25. <laughs> Lord, we pray for our Pastor Scotty Melody and his, and his, and his precious family on their holidays uh, at the beach. It's a time of refreshing and a time of renewing. They're going to come back to us, Lord, not just rested in their body, but rested in their spirit, coming back to us with revelation, coming back to us with inspiration, coming back to us, Lord, from a, with a vision and a revelation from the Lord Almighty for this community here. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. We bless you. Love Pastor, love Pastor Scott and his family. Keep telling him how much you love him. It's all that matters, really. Just keep telling him how wonderful he is. Right? Please. Right? They're really, really good people. They could be somewhere else. Hold on to them. All righty. So clothe yourself in humility. Number four on this five was actually lots more, but I only chose five. You'll be pleased to know. <laughs> Clothe yourself in humility. Just a minute, Lord. Surely you are. We're waiting for the magic wand of humility, right? This is Peter, by the way. Give me the scripture, Russ. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Ouch. Everybody under the age of 25? All right. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourself to your elders. Yes, all of you, be submissive to one another, and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Is there another verse? Yeah. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He might exalt you in due time. One of the most important principles in all of the scriptures, and we don't realize that actually this is something we clothe ourselves in. We think it's like, it's, please make it a magic wand of humility. So we just come to Jesus and we say, Lord Jesus, wave that magic wand. Oh, look how humble I am. You know it don't happen that way, right? You practice humility. And if there's one thing that will kill your worldliness, is practicing humility. I went for a phase there about a year ago. Everybody I, everybody I upset. I have a gift for that. Everybody I upset and offended. The Lord sent me back to them. Sometimes the same day. I mean, like, sometimes I'd be driving away and I'd have to turn around and go back. And I was like, Lord, how much longer do I have to do this? And I just heard, you know, there isn't a magic wand called the magic wand of humility. Ding! Oh, look how humble you are. <laughs> you know. No, humility is something you practice. It's something you put on. So when you're in a situation and somebody offends you, or is rude to you, or you're misunderstood. You know that most um, arguments are based on misunderstanding, right? It's not that we we decide, I'm going to hurt that person, I'm going to argue with him, and he's going to argue with me. There's a misunderstanding. So just backtrack to where you started. We're learning this a lot. We have learned this so much in recent times. We've got to the point, sometimes where we're arguing, we don't even know what we're arguing about. And what We can't even remember the original argument. So you backtrack. Firstly, stop it dead. Stop it dead and listen. Right? If there's spiritual stress and tension around you, stop it dead and listen. And then backtrack. Remember, the origin is a spiritual one. It's a spiritual origin. Demolish that stronghold through the armor of God. And there isn't anything more powerful. Let me tell you, there are two powerful people, armor of God, but there's another person clothed in the armor of God who's more powerful than the person who's clothed in the armor of God. I think it is. It's the person who's clothed themselves in humility. The enemy is derisive. He cannot comprehend humility because it's scriptures say of him in the Old Testament. There was a time in eternity past when he aspired to take God's throne. Pride. God hates pride. Pride is effectively you saying, I don't need to clothe myself in all of this clothing that God has for me. I can do it myself. I don't need his help. Clothe yourselves with humility. Practice it. Stop waiting for the magic wand of humility. Humility is something you clothe yourselves with. <laughs> I don't know why I put that there, me at the swimming pool. That's an illustration. You're probably ready for an illustration, right? So I'm like 12 years old, and my buddies say, let's go to the Lido. Do you have that word over here? It's an outdoor public swimming area. So it's an outside pool. Like some of these fancy suburbs, they have an outside pool, but it's a public one. Lido. There's a wonderful English word for you. So my buddies came and knocked on my door. They're like 12 years old. Let's go to the Lido. Let's go to the Lido. And I'm like, yay, awesome. Pack my swimming trunks in my big chunky towel, and off we went on our bikes to the Lido. We got to the Lido, the outside swimming pool for the public, and they had these long rows of wooden cabins that you'd just about get into, close the door, and you'd change yourself. You probably I'm talking Victorian days here. right? I mean, I used to hang out with Methuselah. Okay, so I unravel my towel, I can hear my buddies splashing and having a great time, I unravel my towel, empty. I'm like no no <laughs> they're having great fun. Oh, I wanted to swim so badly. I wonder if anybody would notice. <laughs> so I had these dark blue undergarments. They're like an undergarment thing. What did we decide they call them over here? And boxes? Yeah, if only they were like boxes. So I said, you know what, nobody'd notice. They're dark blue. I'll just pretend they're my trunks. I mean what twelve-year-old boy does that? So I went out and I jumped into the pool. What I forgot was that swimming trunks are designed not to like, gather water and stuff, right? Men's undergarments aren't designed not to gather water. <laughs> so they, they went from weighing three ounces to weighing three pounds. So now, my, my friends are laughing. They're going off to get a burger. And I'm like, I'm on the side of the pool like this thinking, I can't get out of the pool. I can't get out of the pool. It was, it was very, very humbling experience for me. So I shouted to my buddy. Andy Burton, who's been my friend since he was 10, you know, we've known each other for 50 years. 50 years. And, uh, whew, that, was, that was hard work, 50 years. Half a century. He asked me on his, his daughter contacted me on my Facebook the other day and said, please, can you put a, a nice video on the, I'd see that from the Facebook you used to hang out with my dad when you were 10, half a century ago. And so I had to put this message. Uh, Love you, Andy. Can it really be half a century? since you brought that towel to me at the side of the swimming pool. Because I said to him, Andy, Andy, my towel, Andy, my towel. And he says, come on, mate, come on, mate. And he wanted to pull me out of this pool. I'm like, no, I'm not getting out of this pool. You don't understand. My briefs weigh about 17 pounds. <laughs> I never told you this story. Like, she loves it when I tell a story that she doesn't know. So anyway, he brought the towel to me. Uh, here's the thing. If you don't humble yourselves, you will be humbled. Remember what I said about laughing and here's the thing if you don't humble yourselves you will be humbled that's what Jesus said it's the most profound thing throw yourself upon the rock and be broken lest the rock fall on you and crush you you will be made humble by the way if I was you I'd cooperate with God clothe yourself in humility and lastly, I believe, okay, are you properly dressed this morning or are you improperly dressed? I suspect we might be, some of us might be half dressed. You might, I mean, you know, right? In the spirit realm, in the spiritual sense. Imagine if I walked in here this morning in my swimming trunks. I can promise you, not one of you would think I was properly dressed. Right? So the principle still exists, right? Let me tell you, in the spirit realm, some of you walked in here naked this morning. Do you hear that? Do you feel that? Holy Ghost. Some of us walked in half-dressed. I have spent the last two weeks praising Jesus and searching for Jesus and loving Jesus and responding to Jesus because I did not want to get up here half-dressed. You understand? And I've been praying a lot, Lord, this is a little bit mercenary. I mean, I, I love my Jesus because he loved me first. He loved me when I wasn't loving him. He reached down to me low enough when I couldn't reach up high enough. He made me clean when I couldn't cleanse myself. Okay, bring up that Isaiah verse right at the very beginning, uh, Russ. That Isaiah verse, you got it? That, uh, was it? Um, yeah. No, Well, that's 64.6. Um, Isaiah verse, look at this. All of us has become like something unclean, and all of our righteous acts are like a polluted garment. Another version says, of filthy rags. All of us wither like a leaf, and our iniquities carry us away like the wind. And what Isaiah is saying here is, remember we, we started off with the other Isaiah verse, the 61.10, he's clothed me in a garment of salvation, and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. Outside of that, the, Lord's not, the Lord is saying this, that, it's only his righteousness that means that we're clothed properly. We're only dressed properly when we're clothed in his righteousness. If you're not clothed in his righteousness, you are clothed in filthy rags. Amen. There is what it says. There are, there's only two worlds. There's only two kingdoms. There's only two places. You're either righteous or unrighteous. You're either clothed in a garment of salvation and arrayed in a robe of righteousness, or you're clothed in filthy rags. Here it is. And lastly, are you dressed for your wedding? Okay, that'll get your attention, won't it? How many of you know there's a big wedding on the horizon? Right? I was reading on the news the other day, they were talking about some royal member of the family back in England, country of my origin. Okay, You may have noticed, I am not from around these parts. Okay. <laughs> Back, or should I say, I ain't from around these parts, y'all. Okay, yeah, sorry, sorry, I could not help myself. I could not help myself. Okay. There's a big wedding coming up on the horizon, and they're talking about it in England which one of the royal family will be next to marry. Do you remember when Harry married Megan? Megan? Megan, not Megan. <laughs> Megan Markle. A hundred million people watched that around the world. Most of them in America, by the way, because you, you ended up with your royal princess. Oh, okay? you imagine? She was an ordinary lady as in, in the sense that she wasn't royalty. She grew up a, a commoner, as we would say in England, and I am a commoner. Okay? But she grew up a commoner and married someone who's in direct line to the throne. Let me tell you something. There is a wedding coming, and only certain people are invited to it. Bring it up. Are you dressed for your wedding? And I... uh, It's not in my notes. You just don't know what Russ is up to. Are you dressed for your wedding? Give us the scripture, Russ. Revelation 19. John the Beloved, 30 years after Christ has ascended to glory, perhaps longer because he was the last one of the original disciples to die, probably more like 40 or 50 years. He's in in exile. He's, He's in a prison on an island where they put Christians. Okay? And I heard... By the way, that's just around the corner, right? Something's happening in our culture, right? What's happening in our culture is that culture's deciding they're not willing to coexist with the church anymore. Now, what was meant to happen was the church was meant to say, we're not willing to coexist with culture. But unfortunately, it didn't happen because we weren't clothed properly. We were clothed improperly. And now culture has decided... We're not going to coexist with the church anymore. And we, like John, might end up on an island for our faith because we wore the armor of God. There is nothing more offensive to the culture we live in than you wearing the armor of God, clothing yourself in humility, taking a yoke upon you. And I heard, this is John, as it were, the voice of a great multitude as the sound of many waters and the sound of mighty thunderings. It's saying it's loud. John's saying it, he's loud. Saying, Alleluia, (laughs) for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him the glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife, or the bride, has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saint. Saints, right? We get dressed up for a wedding, don't we? Even in the 21st century, we get dressed up for a wedding. This is the Lord saying to us that the church, there's coming a moment in time when He will redeem. The word is rapture. When He will rapture the church, His bride, that is. And we're not talking about the church organized. We're not talking about the church institutionalized. We're not talking about the church denominationalized. We're talking about the bride. The bride of Christ, the body of Christ. That's who will be raptured away when the Lord Jesus says, it's time, it's time for the marriage of the lamb, for the time has come. Give me my bride. And those of us who are the body of Christ here on earth, the bride will be sucked out of this life. The word is uh, perusia. it's Latin, it means snatched away. So one day soon. One day soon, the Lord will snatch us away from this realm. And before you know it, we'll be at a wedding. Thank you. That would have worked if I'd have kept hold of it. I didn't realize it was stuck to your head. (laughs) Are you ready? There's more, isn't there? And he said to me, write, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, those, these are the true sayings of God. Blessed are they who are invited. So we're actually the bride, and we're the invitees. And which brings us full circle to, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me in a garment of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. The rest of that verse says, like a bride and a bridegroom adorning themselves in fine jewelry in preparation for their celebration. Did it work, Matt? Did we go full circle right back here, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you properly dressed today? Are you improperly dressed today? In the spiritual realm. It's a metaphor. Isaiah's using a metaphor. right? Promise me when you get up tomorrow, put your clothes sorted out. My girls, when they were teenagers, they literally would try on five outfits before they left the house. <coughs> and then go out in the sixth outfit (laughs) remember you can be clothed for this wedding folks you can be clothed in a garment of salvation and arrayed in a robe of righteousness and ready for this great wedding multitudes and multitudes John says were crying out hallelujah for the Lord God the almighty reigns let us rejoice and be glad give all the glory to him for the marriage of the Lamb has come and the Has made herself ready. They've adorned themselves with those righteous acts. Are you properly dressed? Are you properly clothed today? You can be. I suspect most of us are. Pray for me because I'm trying to land the plane. I know you're glad. Pray for me because I'm trying to land the plane. Awesome. Awesome. God is awesome his word is awesome, there it is, (laughs) promise me when you get up tomorrow, as you put on your, I know, your blouse, Lord, I know I'm putting on my blouse, I'm about to put on my breastplate of righteousness, Lord, I know I'm putting on, you might be buckling up your jeans or something, Lord, I'm putting on the belt of truth, right, Lord, I'm, where's my favorite shoes, I might be putting on my favorite shoes, but I'm putting on my sandals of readiness, ready to preach the gospel. Your shield of faith. Your helmet of salvation. Lord, when I squeeze on my thank you hat this morning, I am putting on my helmet of salvation. And Lord, I'm declaring, because I'm clothing myself in the armor of God, I'm declaring that I'm going to live my life in such a fashion that one day soon when the heavens open and the Lord shouts out, where's my bride? I will be confident that I am raptured, snatched away into heaven to be with you. Will you do that? Will you promise me to commit yourself to that next week? Every time you get dressed in the morning, every time you put your clothes out, are you dressed to be snatched? Now you're just showing off. You are just showing off.